Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Brendan. Not with me today is Corey. Corey is fulfilling his duties. He's on his way to Chicago to take in the rest of the season at Wrigley Field. Corey and I will be right back there tomorrow to cover this Cardinal series, but we need to talk about this crazy trade deadline. So the Cubs made four moves today. They traded Martin Maldonado for second baseman and outfielder Tony Kemp. They traded Alex Lang and Paul Richin for Nick Castellanos, and then they traded Thomas Hatch for David Phelps and CJ Edwards for Brad Wick. So lots to discuss here. First, I think we should start with the obvious one, the Nick Castellanos deal. The Castellanos deal was made 40 seconds before the trade deadline hit that, according to Avila, the Tigers GM. So here's what's going to happen with Castellanos. First off, he's a hitter first guy. So he plays outfield, but not the best defensively. But his bat does outweigh some of those defensive deficiencies. So last season, he batted 298 with 23 home runs. His Wobo was 363, his WRC Plus was 130, and his WAR was 3. So basically, 2 WAR is about league average. He was 1 WAR better than league average. This year, the numbers are a little bit down, but not dramatically. He's batting 273, he has 11 home runs in 439 plate appearances. That's worth a 332 weighted on base average and a 106 WRC Plus. 
That is to note, though, that he's been playing in Comerica, okay? So Comerica, just imagine those crazy outfields in right center. I think it's, what, like 420, 430? It's insane how deep it is out there. So you throw Castellanos into a different environment like Wrigley Field, especially with the wind blowing out, and maybe some of those numbers start to increase. At the very least, though, let's say he is what he is right now. He's a 332 weighted on base average guy. He's going to bat around 280, 290, maybe 300 upwards, and he's going to put the bat on the ball. He's going to be a guy who's not going to strike out that much. Right now, he strikes out at a 22% clip, about league average, and he's going to slug. He's going to get his base hits. The projections for Castellanos for the rest of the season look pretty similar to what he's doing right now. Zips, one of the most used projection systems, thinks he's going to bat 276 with a 340 weighted on base average and a 112 WRC+. But you can kind of imagine how Castellanos fits in, right? Most of the time, I'm guessing he'll be playing in the corner outfields, left field, right field. And then the Cubs can mix and match Schwarber against particular righties. They can mix and match Hap against particular lefties or righties as well. But I think Castellanos will get the majority of the playing time, regardless of whether or not a lefty or righty is on the mound, just because he kind of has, again, those bat-to-ball skills where you can maximize that skill set in situational type of plays, which right now the Cubs are so desperately in need uh, to succeed in. I love the deal. I really do, especially giving up really not much. So Alex Lang and Paul Richon. Alex Lang, is he, he's the highlight of this deal. So he's a former first-rounder, 24 years old, has dealt with some arm injuries, so he hasn't succeeded and progressed at a pace that I think the Cubs imagined he would do so. Again, 24 years old at double A is just not where the Cubs imagined him to be. So they give up a guy who's had arm injuries, whose velocity has been up and down with the Cubs, and whom Brian Smith, who we've had on the podcast, was talking about him and just kind of his stagnant development. So trading just Alex Lang for a bat for two months in the midst of a pennant race, it, it's it's a no-brainer. What Castellanos is going to bring immediately to this lineup is the ability to lengthen the order, right? So one through five, we know who's going to be there. We know it's going to be some type of combination of Javi, KB, Rizzo, Contreras, and then maybe you mix and match Hayward, and you mix and match Schwarber up top at leadoff, maybe even Robo Garcia at times. But for the most part, you know you're going to see KB, Rizzo, Javi, and Willie within the first five batters of some sort. But after that, there's not that type of consistency that you want to expect going into the playoffs. So with Castellanos, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who does not strike out more than league average, who's going to have uh, quality at-bats, who's going to be fast on the base path. So he's faster than 75% of major league hitters. That's That's very good and kind of an underrated feature of his game. And even just his overall expected numbers, his expected slugging percentage is better than 65% of Major League Baseball. His expected weighted on base average, better than 55% of baseball. Quality bat, no-brainer, gave up nothing for him, lengthens the lineup, get him out of America, put him at Wrigley Field. Maybe the power even goes up. Love the deal. Absolutely love the deal. So Castellanos was the highlight of the trade deadline, but just hours before that trade was announced, the Cubs went out there and dealt recent acquisition Martin Maldonado for outfielder and second baseman Tony Kemp to the Astros. And so you can kind of think about this as trading Mike Montgomery for Tony Kemp. And given what Montgomery was doing, given Maldonado's value with Contreras seemingly being healthy and Caratini continuing to perform, 
The Cubs get a utility guy who's 27 years old, who will not be a free agent until 2024, and he kind of complements the team in ways the front office and Joe Madden have been talking about, where the team at times strikes out a little bit too much. They don't have some of the speed on the base paths and the positional flexibility that we've been used to seeing as fans. So Kemp will play second base. He'll play outfield, center field, left field, right field if needed. And he provides a skill set kind of like Albert Almora. But unlike Almora, Kemp is going to walk a lot more. He's going to swing at much fewer pitches outside the strike zone. So with Kemp, he only swings at one of every four pitches outside the strike zone. Whereas Almora, he'll swing at almost twice as many pitches as Kemp outside the strike zone. And Kemp's numbers over the past few years have actually been pretty good. So even 2018, he had 295 plate appearances with Houston in, what was that, almost 100 games. And he put up 10% more runs than your league average hitter. He did so by batting 263. He walked in 11% of his plate appearances. And he hit for a little bit below league average power, but nevertheless not like absent of power. So he still has six home runs. 295 plate appearances. Not the worst, not the best, but more than capable of giving you value in in a part-time role. This season with the Astros, the numbers are a little bit worse, so he's batting 227. He's walking a little bit less at an 8% clip, and his WRC plus is 94, so 6% fewer runs created than that of an average player. But the skill set kind of speaks for itself, which you're always trying to project, what can this guy do going forward. And what he does is he's going to give you those quality at-bats. He's going to give you some potential speed on the base paths. With Houston last year, he stole nine bases in 295 plate appearances. With a triple-A club, he stole 13 bases in, what was that, only 30 games. So he does have the ability to go out there and snag a bag. Kemp rates, at least according to UZR, which is one of the defensive metrics that Fangraphs always talks about, He rates basically as a league average defender, which who knows what you want to take out of that. There's issues with UZR. Many don't like its inability to capture defensive shifts and calculate that into their algorithm. But the eye test kind of matches what I think the numbers say. So it looks as if he's an average defender. I think that's fine for someone who's a fourth or fifth outfielder, someone who's a utility guy. And again, he's a free agent not until 2024. So if he does perform, the Cubs have a cheap player who's not even hitting arbitration yet, too. It's it's a, it's that's that's a steal, honestly. It's a steal with Mike Montgomery not performing that well, with Maldonado not having a consistent playing time role with Wilson Contreras back. The Cubs did the best they could possibly do given that situation. The Astros just DFA'd him. They were in need of a backup catcher. It fit perfectly with both teams. When it's all set and done and the Cubs do make their final roster decisions, it does like give me a little bit of pause of who the Cubs will end up optioning. So the two obvious targets right now are Robo Garcia and David Bodie. Bodie, again, in the second game of the Cardinal series, did not look good. He's just getting up there and beaten by the fastball with too much consistency. But what Bodie brings that Garcia does not bring is the ability to at least be competent at shortstop. Garcia appears not to be a competent shortstop option. So with Javi Baez being the only guy on the roster right now with the ability to play shortstop and Russell being in AAA, Bodie might be the guy staying despite Garcia having better offensive numbers right now. Now it's possible that the Cubs just say, you know what, forget it. 
If Javi goes down, we'll figure it out when that happens. But we're going to run with Garcia. We're going to play him at second base. And if we need to give Javi a day off, we'll deal with it and put Garcia at shortstop and mix and match if we need to. So I think there's two ways to look at what they're going to do with Garcia and Bodie. Bodie does need more playing time. He needs the ability to go up there and incorporate whatever adjustments he's making. And right now, that may not be the the way for him to do so with the Cubs. The Cubs are in a pennant race. They can't afford to go out there and give these guys opportunities to fail right now. We're, we're too late in that game. Where Garcia, we know what he brings. He's going to strike out a lot. He's going to bring a lot of power. He's going to be a below league average defender, but he's going to mash. So all in all, with the financial restrictions that Theo Epstein supposedly had with Tom Ricketts, it appears as if Theo did the best possible job at the trade deadline. Some can argue that even Castellanos, actually it's not even an argument, it's a fact. Castellanos was the best bat on the market. Theo Epstein went out and he got the best bat. And he he did more in addition to cover that depth by going out there and getting Tony Kemp for possibly the long term as well. It does feel as if the roster is more complete, though. I mean, imagine where you were two weeks ago when you had Daniel Descalso still on the team. You had a struggling Addison Russell still on the team, making mistakes left and right. And it felt as if the Cubs were playing essentially with a 24-man roster with no viable pinch-hitting options on the bench. It feels different now. We have Addison Russell back in AAA. The Cubs bring in Ian Happ. They bring in the Castellanos. They bring in Tony Kemp. And all of a sudden, you have three new guys who have potential, who gives you some optimism going forward. Happ has already been a major contributor. He's been walking in that last game against Milwaukee. He was walking ahead of Schwarber. Schwarber drove him in. In his second game against the Cardinals, he had the first RBI of the game on a clutch two-out hit with two strikes. So there's reason to be excited, I think. And there's been a lot wrong with this team, especially recently with with blowing these games. But the Cubs, all they need to do is just get in, man. Just get in. You look at that 2016 team, they almost lost to the Giants in the first round who were struggling to get into their to the playoffs themselves that year. They had a struggling Cleveland team with multiple pitch injuries who almost beat the Cubs as well. You get into the playoffs and crazy stuff can happen. And it's okay to be upset with how they've been playing. I mean, Corey and I have been besides ourselves at certain times because they're better than this. The Cubs, we know they're better than this, but that's now behind us. The Scalso is now behind us. Russell is now behind us. This is the current squad. And getting Hap more playing time, getting Kemp shuffled in the mix, getting Castellanos out there in 80% of the remaining games should have a noticeable effect. And it's a signal to the guys too, in the clubhouse, like, hey, we we do have confidence in you. We do have the the belief you guys can go and do this. And that does make a difference. We saw that with Houston today with Garrett Cole expressing like a childish enthusiasm for getting Zach Ranke. And when the Cubs went out there and signed Craig Hembrill, John Lester said the same thing, how that's a jolt to the clubhouse. Whether or not you want to buy into the clubhouse chemistry thing, whatever. But these guys, they feel it. They feel the energy. And that can only be a good thing, right? And as I'm recording this, so it looks as if Robo Garcia has indeed been optioned by the Cubs in favor of Nick Castellanos. It makes sense. We just went over this. David Bodie plays shortstop. Robo Garcia does not play shortstop. The Cubs need a backup option for Javi Baez. Doesn't mean that Robo deserved to be optioned. It doesn't mean that David Bodie deserves to stay with the team. But right now, that's how it is. I'm sure at some point we'll see Robo back up there whether it's in the next few weeks, whether it's not till September, 
Regardless, Robo will be back up with the squad. Transitioning to pitchers here. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com. So the Cubs made two pitchy moves to bolster their bullpen today. The first of which was trading former third rounder Thomas Hatch for David Phelps. David Phelps, you may remember, uh, has some success with the Mariners, with the Yankees, with the Marlins. Mostly the Yankees, mostly the Marlins. He spent only half a year in Seattle, but he did have some success there. Phelps is interesting because he has really good strikeout numbers and that doesn't match kind of the expected number of whiffs he usually gets. So even in 2017, right before he got Tommy John surgery, he struck out 10 guys per nine innings. In 2017, he struck out almost 12 guys per nine innings, but he only had an average whiff rate. So it kind of got me thinking, like, what's an accurate comparison to David Phelps? Well, he throws mostly fastballs, mostly cutters, and he mixes in a curveball every now and then. But those first two pitches, the fastball and the cutter, reminded me of someone like Jason Mott. So Mott was able to, to, to live exclusively only on fastballs and cutters. And he was a successful closer at times. He was not the best for the Cubs in 2015, but still, he had a pretty good uh, major league career living off of two pitches. So think of like a Jason Mott type guy. Um, and so right now with the Blue Jays before coming over to the Cubs, he only pitched 17 innings. He still had a decent strikeout rate of nine batters per nine innings. The walks are about league average, just slightly above league average. Uh, this season is at 3.6 walks per nine innings. The home run has been an issue for him this year. Again, it's only 17 innings, but he's given up a little bit more home runs than what he's done in years past. And he's a fly ball guy. He only has a 31% ground ball rate this year. I like the deal, though, because like the other ones, the Cubs gave up essentially nothing. Thomas Hatch was another guy who was just not developing at a pace deemed appropriate by the front office, following that Alex Lang type of projection, right? So to get uh, a, a bullpen arm for the next two months that does have some potential, has had a recent track record of success. Coming off Tommy John surgery, that does give you some pause for concern, especially because he's throwing two miles per hour slower. But you expect the velocity to maybe creep back up, kind of what they're doing with Craig Kimbrell. And even if this is who Phelps is, right? Let's say he is now a guy who only throws 92 and not 94 anymore. He's still been pretty good in 17 innings. He's still getting his strikeouts. His ERA this year is 3.63. That, that might be a suitable option. And the Cubs have now depth pieces to go along with Phelps, with Rowan Wilk, uh, Wick being called up. And I think that's kind of the best you can ask for right now, given the market. The market was hot, man. I mean, Shane Green was dealt to the Braves. You have pitchers going all over the league. 
uh, with guys trying to bolster their bullpens. And the Cubs just did not have the financial ability to go out there and match some of those deals. Nor do you want to go out there and trade someone like a Braylon Marquez or a Nico Horner for a top-level reliever. It's just that didn't make sense right now. And with Craig Campbell closing out the game in the second game of St. Louis, throwing 97, 98 at times, this should be enough, right? This should be enough. And with Pedro Strope, too, who's now on the injured list due to neck tightness, who knows if that's even true, but he's on that injured list. You get him back in a few weeks, healthy, the velocity's ticking back up. All of a sudden, you have a bullpen going out there with depth, with three potential lockdown guys in Steve Cizek, in Pedro Strope, in Craig Campbell, not even mentioning the success of Kyle Ryan and uh, Brandon Kinsler. Now you mix a match with potentially David Phelps, who, if he is even a shell of his 2017 self, that's a huge boost to this bullpen. And again, even if he does what he's doing right now with a 3.63 ERA, that's added depth. I think the bullpen as a whole does feel well-rounded and capable of picking up guys who are just not performing well or who go down with injuries. The other deal made today was one that may not have an immediate impact for this year, but it does have long-term implications. So Carl Edwards Jr. fans, sorry, he's off to San Diego for Brad Wick from the Padres. Wick is a tank. He's six foot nine. What is this? 250 pounds by Fangrass. Huge lefty. Someone who has massive strikeout numbers. So this is pretty wild. So with San Diego this year, he split time equally between the, the, the Major League Club and the AAA Club. With uh, the AAA Club, you ready for this? He had a K per nine of 17 batters. That's insane. 17. With the Major League Club, a little bit lower, but still really impressive at 11.3 batters per nine innings. Does not walk that many guys in his Major League career. His walk rate is 2.5 batters per nine innings, which matches that of his minor league recent portfolio. Now, there's a problem with Wick, and it has to do with his home run rate, okay? He's giving up a home run two out of every 10 fly balls. So the average is around one of every fly ball. So double that of what it, an average reliever should be doing. That's got to be corrected. But the Cubs see someone who has potential, where with CJ Edwards, they exhausted every type of possibility to get him going. CJ tried the Kenley Jansen, the Clayton Kershaw leg kick earlier in the year that was deemed ineligible, and he never got going after that. His velocity has been up and down. The command has been shaky. He's been optioned multiple times this year. A change of scenery is something that CJ just needed. And even Jed Hoyer said that. He's like, hey, like CJ just needs a change of scenery. Same thing could be said about uh same thing for Wick. Uh, someone who is six foot nine and left-handed who's striking out guys in double-digit numbers, you gotta be at least a little curious about that. And Wick is someone who has pretty good stuff, mostly a good fastball. So he throws a fastball eight of every ten pitches at 94 miles per hour. His other secondary pitch is a slider at a 15% rate. Not the best, according to some people who have watched him a little bit, but Maybe the Cubs see something in him that they can go out there and adapt and kind of address and get him to a point where you're maximizing that fastball, you're maximizing that strikeout rate. And and like CJ, just a change of scenery could be good for him. Looking back at what the Cubs did over the last month, they made multiple deals. They mopped up their mess. They addressed their clear needs, their clear deficiencies. And I think they did so successfully, at least to the level that was realistic. They got the best bat on the market. 
They got the best reliever on the market in Craig Campbell by signing them. That's the best they can do right now. And for the for the short term, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to go out there and get a Nick Castellanos. Put him in right field. Let him bat the majority of the time. And as a fan, I'm pretty hyped about this. I know there's been a lot of negativity around the team right now, but it's hard not to be hyped about this. You have now a lineup with everyone clicking. Could be one of the better lineups in the league. I know it's kind of crazy to say right now, but when you have the talent like Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras to supplement that with Nick Castellanos and getting Ian Happ back on track, that's that's a viable lineup, man. And even Victor Caratini splitting time, maybe at first base to spell Rizzo, to spell Contreras, maybe Contreras goes to the outfield a little, a little bit. The lineup feels more full, I feel like, where even watching these recent Cardinal games, although they have not put up runs, it does feel as if the potential is there, where even two weeks ago, it just did not feel like that. So lineup-wise, I think how these guys mix and match is going to be something to monitor within the first few weeks, even as soon as the next game against the Cardinals, where Cassiano should be in uniform, and I'm assuming he'll get the majority of the playing time. What's kind of tricky to figure out is where Kemp fits in, just because he's going to be competing right away with David Bodie with Ian Happ and you want the uh, you want Ian Happ to get out and get the most at bats possible because he's been getting consistent playing time. And you want to see with that power potential, with the athletic potential, what that could be for the rest of the season. So with Kemp, it's possible that you see him in a split role even with Ian Happ at second base perhaps. And you go out there and you put Castellanos in right field and, and Jason Hayward in center field. And maybe you see Tony Kemp, Ian Happ and David Bodie just kind of going on in a merry go round at second base. I'm fine with that. But what I most want to see is Schwarber still getting consistent playing time. I I know he struggled against uh, left-handed pitchers. I I know that's the case. But just visually, I feel as if he's kind of adapting that patient approach again, where in June, he was only walking in 6% of his plate appearances. Now he's back up to double digits, and now he's mashing home runs. He has multiple home runs in the last week, something that you just want to see going forward if you can unlock some more potential out of him. So I'd like to see Schwarber get more playing time in left field. I like Castellanos to get more playing time or the most of the playing time to right field. And then center field just goes to Jay Hay. Mix and match happen, whether it's at second base, whether it's in center field. And that should be, I think, the the way to go about this right now. That's the best nine out there. It makes the most sense. So that's all I have for you. So I just wanted to give you guys more of an instant reaction. Again, I love these deals. I think the Cubs did the best they could possibly do given everything involved. Corey and I will be back with you guys tomorrow after this third game of the Cardinals series. The Cubs, right now, they split the first two games. Kirk Kimbrell almost killed me in that second game. And so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, that uh, the Cubs will have possibly gone out there and won the series on the road, which what it seems like forever. I cannot remember the last time they did that. So expect another podcast uh, the next morning. What would that be? That will be Friday morning when Corey and I will come back at you. Review that series. Corey will give you his thoughts about these deals. I'm sure he's going to be right up with me with the excitement and the optimism with some of these guys. And we'll preview this upcoming second half. It's, it's going to be fun. And again, it just comes down to getting into the playoffs. The Cubs have the pitching to compete in small series. They have the talent up top of the lineup to complete to compete in small series. This team still has it. I know there's a lot going on that's really difficult to watch, but this team does have it. They got to turn it on. 
You got to get into the playoffs and anything can happen. So thank you guys for listening as always. It's always fun to do these emergency podcasts and getting the reaction from you guys on Twitter. You can always tweet at me at Cubs Related. You can tweet at Corey at CF Cubs Related. Corey runs the the Cubs Insider Twitter account as well at Real Cubs Insider. He also runs the Cubs Related Instagram at Cubs underscore related. So there's many ways you guys can talk with us. We always like to engage and talk with you guys about these deals. If you have any other topics you want to discuss or any other ideas with the uh, upcoming episodes, tweet at us. We love it. We always appreciate your guys' feedback. And if you have a second, please review us on iTunes or now Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. It does just help other potential listeners find us that way. So it's just a way for us to get more exposure and to get uh, a bigger audience to for Corey and I to discuss something that we really do care about. All right, here we go. Second half Cubs baseball on your way. Corey and I will be talking to you tomorrow. As always, go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.